Hey, this is Susanna with Foster Carolinas, connecting the Carolina community through foster care. So, Eric, um, I wanted to bring you on our podcast to just talk to you about um, adoption, obviously, and Mm -hmm. how you you kind of started popping up at our events and I don't know if our audience knows kind of how that all happened. seems to be like weathermen just like us, but that's really not the case. You, you really do have a backstory and a reason why you're passionate mm-hmm. about adoption. Yeah. Well, you need to take some credit. I didn't just pop up at your events. This, this lady here, she knows where to find people and you found me. Uh, in fact, I remember because I was already involved with least, or excuse me, with a forever family And, you know, we were pretty busy with that. In fact, I actually, even earlier than that, was working with Children's Home Society. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of overlapping there for a while. So I'm involved with Children's Home Society. I'm involved uh, with Forever Family and Seven Homes. And then you came along, and I was like, I don't know. My my plate is pretty full right now. And I don't even know if you picked up on that vibe. But uh, you, uh, no, you didn't let it go. I've learned to ignore that vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) were trying to tell me no, but that's yeah. why I got Ken Maxwell involved, and I was like, Ken, yeah. can you please tell this guy that I am not a nut? Right, right, exactly. So, but yeah, so, you know, then I met you, and of course, at that point, I was hooked. Uh, you are so passionate, unbelievable what you do for this community, and um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I had to, I had to learn more about you and about what you're doing, and it's unbelievable, and because what you're doing is, is a little bit of a different angle, you know, on helping foster children than what I'm doing with Forever Family. And so that fascinated me. But I, I know that wasn't your question. Um, so getting back to, you know, sort of the origin of, yes. of my involvement. Yes, uh, I was adopted. Um, but it's very important, and I'm very quick to point this out. Um, I never had to endure the foster care system. Mm-hmm. So I really have very little in common with these kids today that we're trying to help. Mm-hmm. And But at the same time, I thought, you know what? I was given so many opportunities through my adoption. Mm-hmm. And so many doors opened up for me. And I just thought, wow, um, if we still can get these kids adopted and give them the same opportunities that I was given, deal me in. You know, I just want to do whatever I can to uh, right the ship for so many of these kids. And so that's where we are now. And, and, and But I got to tell you, it was an eye-opening experience for me because as I got deeper and deeper into this and really learned about just how widespread this problem is, uh, and, and not just the fact that, that these are, these are kids who are waiting for a mom and a dad to come along, but I mean, they've, they've been through some real trauma. Yeah. I mean, real, as you know, better yes. than anybody, some unbelievable trauma. And, you know, I, I guess when I was writing one of my speeches, and, and I gave the speech to your organization as well, I thought one of the most powerful lines I had come up with was thinking about, you know, I remember when I was in high school, and, and you know how sick and sad you feel when you find out that there was a party and you weren't invited to that party? Yeah. And, and you think to yourself, wow, I've been left out. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that's a, that's a tough feeling. But to feel like maybe you haven't been accepted by your friends is one thing. Mm-hmm. But, but I can't wrap my brain around what it must feel like that, that there are parents out there who don't think you are worth being called their son or their daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or th- that you have this feeling that you're not worth being called someone's brother or sister. 
You know, it's one thing to feel like, well, I guess I wasn't worthy to be invited to that party. That's a bad enough feeling as it is, but I can't, I, I just can't, I can't process that. Did you struggle, I mean, with your own adoption, did you ever in your life struggle with that? Like, you were rejected. You had to have been rejected at some point. So when you say you have nothing in common with kids in foster care, you do have that one thing in common. Did you struggle, and how did you deal with that? Yeah, actually, no. In, in fact, it was actually the reverse. Um, my mom was smart. Um, she told me that I was adopted when I was in third grade. So see, so I was I wasn't hormonal yet. I wasn't a teenager. <laughs> I wasn't looking she for a reason smart. to be mad at the world. Right. Um, so yeah, she called me up to the kitchen. I was playing with my Hot Wheels in the basement, and she said, "Hey, I just want to just tell you something." And I said, "Sure, what what?" And she said, uh, "Did you know you were adopted?" And uh, I said, "No, no, I, I I did not know that." And then I said, "Well, what's adopted?" <laughs> and she said, "It just means you weren't you know born from my belly." Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, okay." Um, can I go back and play with my Hot Wheels now? <laughs> that was the end of it. And so, uh, you know, as I got a little bit older and started to process, geez, okay, here's here's really what she was telling me. This really did happen to me. I, you know, I was always one of these rebels when I was a kid, so it was kind of cool to be a little bit different yeah. uh, in that regard. But beyond that, um, it really started hitting me how lucky I was pretty early on, you, you know, that, that I ended up in the situation I ended up in. And... You know, when you talk about um, the rejection, mm-hmm. you, you know, back at the, if you want to go back to the very beginning, you know, I never really looked at it that way because I knew, one of the few things I knew about my birth mother is, is she was only 18 years old and she was in college mm-hmm. and uh, obviously made a mistake. And I felt like somebody that age, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you didn't expect this to happen. You, you can't support, you know, you're smart enough to know you can't support this child. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're, you're making this really, really incredible sacrifice. I mean, I cannot imagine, now think about that for a second. 1960, you're, mm-hmm. you're 18, pregnant, out of wedlock. In 1960, That's... it was a whole different culture back yeah. then. And so she put herself through the humiliation, you know, of that, the embarrassment, uh, the potential you know, what's the word I'm looking for, shame on mm-hmm. her family. Um, and then she put herself through all the physical trauma of right. childbirth, only to finally go through that, have your baby, and only to do all that, just have a nurse show up and take your baby away. Mm-hmm. I just felt like those sacrifices outweighed, you know, any negative that I could come up with. And and since we're talking about her, I don't know if you know this, uh, I just learned about my birth mother this past year. You did? Yes, yes. See, did you know that? I did not know that. Yes. I was about to ask you if you had ever met her. Or if... Yeah, right. Um, I have not. Now, of course, you're naturally probably going to be thinking, wow, Eric, you must have been really looking long and hard for your birth mother. Actually, again, it would be the reverse of that. Uh, it's not because I had any disrespect for my birth mother. Um, the fact of the matter is, is there was never any void in my life. So I never really was trying to find her in order to fill some sort of a void. Yeah. Um, but what happened was, is that WBTV, they wanted to do a story on me and uh, with regard to like, well, what's your background? What's your ethnicity? And things like oh, this. Yeah. And so they said, can you do a, uh, an ancestry test? You know, the DNA thing? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I said, sure. So we did the swab and I did the DNA and we sent it up to Ancestry.com, I think it is. Uh-huh. And, um, well, as it turns out, we never ended up doing a story from that angle. So nothing ever <laughs> happened except for the fact my, my data just sat up there, you know, on the Ancestry site. So three years later, uh, I don't know why my wife's name was on it. 
uh, the package. She does everything for me. She makes me <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So anyway, um, she gets this email from somebody that says, hey, I think I might be your third cousin. And she's like, huh? And and so then she realizes, oh, wait, he's talking about Eric because she knew her data wasn't up on the yeah. ancestry. So she writes him back and says, I think you might be talking about my husband. Um, but I just want you to know he was adopted. So we don't really know anything about, you know, our family history or anything. And he writes back and he goes, oh, well, that's even more interesting. Um, I'm a family tree nut. I've got this big family tree. I think I can help you. Oh, wow. And so Vicky comes to me and she says, do you want me to pursue this? And I said, no problem. I, I, you know, I've always said that if somebody told me right now that my birth mother was outside your door, mm -hmm. do you want to go meet her? Of course. Sure. You know, so, uh, but at the same time, I've never really gotten on any kind of a journey trying to mm -hmm. find her. So it fell in my lap. Mm -hmm. And so Vicky starts talking to this third cousin, which then leads to, uh, eventually it led to Vicky talking to um, Lisa, who is my birth mother's daughter. And Vicky, they're getting close at this point. And Vicky and Lisa, they're going back and forth and they're going, oh my gosh, it's Uncle Jim. He's your birth father. So they were absolutely convinced that my birth father was Uncle Jim. Okay. And so then Vicky just happens to say, um, yeah, the only thing we know about Eric's birth mother is that she was a sophomore in college when she got pregnant. And there was like 10 seconds of silence on the other end of the line. Lisa just stopped talking. And Vicky's like, are you there, Lisa? What's going on? And Lisa goes, <clears throat> My mom dropped out of college when she was a sophomore. Hmm. It's my mom. It's not Uncle Jim. He's my half-brother. And so it, it was just this, this massive epiphany. You know, where Lee, it was probably a bigger shock well, to Lisa. Yeah. Because Lisa had no idea. But this is a 60-year secret, yeah. you know, in the family. And, and so Lisa goes, oh, my God, it's my mom. Eric's birth mother is my mom. That makes Eric my brother. My, my brother. Oh right. my gosh. And so anyway, we've had a fantastic relationship. I haven't met uh, my birth mother yet. They're all up in New Jersey. The pandemic, of course, has been a yeah. big thing. And of course, I told them immediately, don't worry, I'm not after your inheritance. So, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so. Oh man, I want I want to see, you got to do a story on that when y'all do finally meet. Yes. And... Yeah, we're hoping to have the cameras up there um, with the big, you know, reveal. You know, as I walk around the corner. Oh wow! You know, so, so have you have you talked to your adoptive mom about this? Have you talked to your no? Um, I have not talked to uh, I have not talked to her in person yet. Um, and the reason why, and this is where things get a little bit dicey. Um, remember, I told you it was a sixty-year secret. Yeah. Okay. Well, her husband doesn't know about any of this. Oh wow! So so we're being very very. Here I am doing a podcast to millions of people, and yet I'm saying we're being secretive. Uh, but I notice I haven't given any last no names. No names. No right, names. Right. So, so yeah. So there's there's still things to be worked out, you know, on on wow. their end. And I'm just I'm just steering clear. My biggest satisfaction of this whole thing had very little to do with me because I told you there's really no void yeah. in my life. My biggest satisfaction was I really wanted to be able to lift whatever burden, whatever guilt, whatever questions that this woman was carrying with her for 60 years, wondering, you know, how did things turn out? Did Eric end up in a good family? Did he end up in an abusive family? Um, you know, what happened? So uh, I was able to finally answer those questions for her. And so she knows? That, yeah. Oh, she knows all about me. She knows yeah. about you now? Yeah. She found out I'm a TV weatherman and she said, I'm disowning him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so anyway. 
so there's that. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a lot. So during the pandemic, that's what you've been doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good good indoor event. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, so. that I did not know that. That's yeah. so cool, mm-hmm. Eric. That's yeah. so cool. It was a big year. Oh, wow. Okay. And I love your mom. I've met her several yeah. times, and she's just so great. And I watched, um, just happened, your story aired last night, more about that. And y'all just, she must have been just the greatest mom in the world. Cause... Uh, you know, yeah, it was funny because... Yeah, education was always first and foremost with my parents. My mom had a master's, my dad had a PhD in nuclear engineering, and so they definitely wow. wanted you know us to to get our education. Um, it was funny because I always grew up wanting to be a pilot, mm-hmm. which still required an education, <laughs> um, but I wasn't going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. Um, I always sort of felt like the ugly duckling in my family because I had 27 cousins and they all had advanced degrees, and I'm like, man, if I just can get a C average, I'm happy. <laughs> You know, but uh, so it was it was a tough family to grow up in because, you know, there's a lot of high benchmarks, you know, floating around me. And um, but, yeah, I didn't want to be an engineer. Um, and so I was going to be a pilot and I'm, I got down to the Navy. I, you know, I got my, my degree. in me- The whole degree in meteorology was my golden ticket to being to being accepted as into aviation officer candidate school in the Navy. Ah. Uh, so I could go right in as an officer. Mm-hmm. And and so all that worked out. Beautifully until I got down there and I, I failed a flight physical. Most most drop out because their eyes you know aren't perfect. But I had a, a defective eustachian tube, and my ears wouldn't pop correctly. If your ears ever pop when you go up and down yes. an airplane, yeah. So my ears of all things wouldn't pop correctly. Your ears. Yeah, and they said, uh, yeah, I know of, of all things. And so yeah, they said uh, you're done. Um, you can't fly and you can't even be a navigator in the backseat. Um, thanks for your interest in the United States Navy. Have a great life. <clears throat> 24 hours, I'm back on the foot of my bed in Pittsburgh going, what on earth just happened? You know, but I still had this degree, my education, yeah. you know, in meteorology. So um, so then things started to turn around from there, yeah. Oh, wow. And did your mom push you towards, you know, going on TV and doing all Not that? Not at all. No. No, I'll tell you, if you, do you want to talk about my... Yeah, my, sure. Okay. Um, well, the whole TV career thing was interesting because, because again, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. It was back then, especially, a really big, big TV market. Right. So you didn't work in Pittsburgh television three years out of school. You know, most of these people are all 40 and up. You know, they mm-hmm. had 15, 20 years experience. And since that was the only TV market I'd ever seen, I formed this impression that you can't get on TV as a weatherman until you probably have 20 years in the business, like either in the Air Force or in the National Weather Service. Right. I didn't even, TV was the furthest thing from my mind. Uh-huh. So I joined a rock band. Uh, so so I did that for, I uh, went back up to Penn State, we did that. But anyway, that's another story. But but, joining but, a rock band actually helped you many years later yes. with Lisa of these Carolinas. Because after you got to know me and you yep. couldn't say no to me, right? I talked you into being a part of Charlotte Has Talent. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, that was that's a whole another story. But yeah, the, see, Susanna has a habit of of asking me to do something when I say no. Uh, <laughs> an hour later, it's it's yes, ma'am. What yeah. else can I do for you? <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah. So let me, I'll just finish the meteorology first. So, so what happened is, is after the rock band, which by the way, you're right, that rock band did help give me that stage presence, which does help you when you're in front of a TV yeah. camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, yeah, through, through bumps and twists and turns, I did end up at a TV station. I didn't even think I was going to do weather on TV. There was a small little station outside of Pittsburgh. Right. And I went down there as an intern and then, bam, I got this opportunity. I couldn't believe it. 
And uh, from that point, it was like the yellow brick road. Everything was great. You know, it just, it was a good fit. Yeah. You know, I found my niche, mm -hmm. if you will. But, but yes, uh, so getting back to uh, uh, the uh, Charlotte House talent, uh, <laughs> here we go. Susanna asking me to do this. And I was like, Susanna, I bang on the piano. I, I don't, you know, and I don't have a drum set. I used to play drums. So what do you want me to do? Tiddlywinks? You know, and, uh, but somehow you're just like, Eric, figure it out. We need you, you know? <laughs> I know. And you did great. And yeah. you can play the piano beautifully. You, it was great. And yeah. I think I hooked you because I said, we will find somebody that grew up in foster care that is looking for her chance or his chance to sing on stage. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it was secretly your plan to win. Is you're oh, like, well, of oh, course. I'll win with that. <laughs> and so that was such a special night. Yeah. And I'll never forget the look on your face. Oh, my gosh. Um, Mind-blowing. It was, and, and the look on her face, she, you would have thought she won an Emmy that night. Like, it was Well, oh, I amazing. think she did. I mean, anytime somebody, you know, you're 13 years old and you get a standing ovation at the Blumenthal. Right. Uh, you won an Emmy. That's uh, right. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean. <laughs> But no, I mean, yeah, she she won the audience uh, approval uh, award, and and I was telling you a few minutes ago, that uh, was one of the biggest nights of my life. I can't imagine, you know, what that night was like for a thirteen-year-old who was competing against some of the biggest names in Charlotte. I and mean, you Charlotte. tried to tell me no. I can't yeah, I believe know. you tried to tell me no. Yeah, well, because <laughs> I knew the level of my talent. That's why we brought Jensen in. So um, Charlotte has talent. We're going to have it again on November 13th, and you're going to be a judge. So we're yes. going to flip the script a little bit, mm -hmm. and you get to put everybody else on um, their toes, and you get to judge mm -hmm. them. And uh, um, I can't wait to watch the beads of sweat forming on their forehead. It's yes. going to be so much fun, so <laughs> right. much fun. But uh, let's jump over to Forever Family. So you do these pieces, and you interview all of these kids, what is there like two or three things you can share with us that maybe surprised you about these kids um, or, or one that you really remember? Just something about because you I mean, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we do is hard, but you actually are trying to get their story and talk mm -hmm. to these kids and find out what is it that you want, which is a forever home. But what what over the years have you learned from these kids? Um, overall, uh, in one word, resiliency. Uh, it, it is flabbergasting how these kids are still maintaining their sanity, to be honest about it. I mean, some have been through abuse and trauma. Others have been from home to home to home. Right. Others even have gotten to the point where they were matched or adopted and still rejected. Yes. You know, and again, I can't wrap my head around that. But uh, the resiliency of these kids, the positive attitude that they have... Um, is unbelievable, you know, and, and I, you, you know, you know that there's a stigma out there about mm -hmm. foster children, and mm -hmm. it is such a myth, you know, about whatever the predispositions people have of, of foster children, because the bottom line is, first and foremost, it's not their fault, right? you know, with, with the, pos the position that they're in, mm -hmm. and, and so they just, they really, really need this chance. Right. And, you know, the other thing that I think I've learned and I've discovered um, beyond just the foster children themselves are the mm -hmm. foster parents. Yes. The, I mean, I am blown away when you see some of these foster parents out there. They, they just, the, the, they give of themselves mm -hmm. relentlessly. You, you know, and I mean, there are parents out there who have fostered. Look, you probably have a better number than me, but I mean 10, 20, 30 foster children, um, and they are just angels from heaven, you know, what they do. 
You know, they give up all of their own life. They don't go on trips. You know, they don't. You know, they don't take vacations. It is all about these foster kids. Mm-hmm. So I've I've really been just jaw dropped by both sides of this mm-hmm. by by the children and how they're hanging in there. You know, and then by the foster parents themselves. And boy, they you know any support you can give either one of these two parties, uh, we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the pandemic is. Hopefully, we're going back to school now and things like that. And they're already starting. I ta- I was on a call today, and the numbers are already starting to shoot up. Really? Um, With what, people coming showing into, an interest? Kid, no, kids coming into care. Because remember, these oh. kids have not been in school. Oh, yeah. They haven't been in their safe place. They haven't been in a place where people can observe them and see, hey, they're not okay. They need help. That's scary. So for a year, we have kept those kids, you know, and they weren't isolated. able to re-isolate it. Yeah. Um, and so we just, we're going to have all these kids coming into the, to the foster care system. So we need more foster parents. We mm-hmm. need more heroes to step yeah. up and take kids in. But that's a huge thing right now with the pandemic being over finally. But then all of the people that did report child abuse are now able to do that again. Um, and I know that they're having even just a ton of sibling sets. So you, <laughs> it would be nice if foster children, I was a foster parent, it would be nice if you got a call and said we have one. But usually it's we have three yeah. or we have two or we have five. Siblings. Yeah, siblings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so just the challenge to keep those kids together because you, I mean, Imagine you have to move out of your house. You've lost your parents, and it doesn't matter how bad their parents are. They love their. They always gonna sure. love their mamas. Um, well, but it's it's their normal. It's their normal. But then you, you've also lost your brother or your sister or, mm. or your sibling that was in that with you. Right. Um, so right now, even more important, if if you're thinking about being a foster parent, then you should do it. If you're thinking about adopting, check out Eric's. Forever families. Tuesdays at seven. Tuesdays at seven. Yeah. Um, you're always talking to new cool kids about, you know, and I think y'all did a story. You're going to be doing a story about foster dads soon, right? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, and foster single dads. Foster single dads. Because yeah. most people don't think you can be a foster parent and be single. That's right. Yes, um, you can. I, and I'll tell you, along those lines, yes, uh, that was the thing that impressed me was that these men stepped forward could have so easily just assumed that they're not qualified. Right. And, and uh, yes, so guys out there, if you're a, a single dad, you you are qualified. Of course, single moms. Yes. Um, but here's the other thing that I think you'll find interesting. I had a um, uh, somebody who was around 50, you know, you know, come up to me not too long ago and said, boy, I love what you're doing, but man, geez, we would do it, but we're just too old. Uh, well, guess what? Um, it's the we, wrong thing. <laughs> we have a story coming up, you know, here in about three weeks uh, with John um, I think Linda, John and Linda, Matistic, um, or something like that. Anyway, they live in this area. They're in their 70s. Matzik. Mm-hmm. Matzik, thank you. Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. Matzik. Is it Linda? Do I have I, it right? I, I think I, it is. I, yeah, I think it is. So anyway, John, Linda, if you're out there listening, we love you. Um, sorry for butchering your name. Um, but anyway, they're in their 70s. Well, listen, so we adopted our little girl, Addie, and... She came from a home, it was an older couple in their 70s, and mm-hmm. all they did was take little babies. Now that's, oh, but they're fostering. They're fostering, okay. but they, so so she felt like, and her husband felt like, we're here for a season with the little ones, and then we will pass them on to, mm-hmm. either they're going to be reunified or they're going to go live in another home. And I can't tell you how many babies have come through that home, but when I met them, they had three babies under the age of two in their wow. home, and they're in their 70s, yeah. Eric. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So no, you're not too old. And if you tell me or Eric you're too old, we're probably going to look at you and say, <laughs> so, wrong answer, right, try right, again. Right, right. Get another excuse. Yeah. Well, what's in, 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 even more interesting about John and Linda is they're not fostering. They adopted. They did adopt. In the 70s. And she comes to camp. Their little girl comes to camp. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing about that's interesting is if you are older, what that means is you're a prime candidate to adopt an older child. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if you're 72, and John will tell you this himself, you know, it's probably not a great idea to be adopting an infant right. when you're 72 years old. But it's the perfect opportunity to adopt a teenager. Exactly. And that's exactly what they did. And uh, we have a success story coming up on them, too. And it's oh, just good. A, turned out fantastic. I'm so glad y'all are back and doing these stories again. Yeah. Um, well, can I throw something else in, absolutely. too? Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Yeah. yeah the, you know, uh, the thing that Ken, Ken from Seven Homes reminds me to remind other people is if you adopt from foster care... All right, you uh, get free medical care. Mm -hmm. Okay, when I say free, you know the the, it's the beautiful mm -hmm. yeah from from and North Carolina. Uh huh. And North Carolina again, I think we're only one of two states that does this. Will also pay for college tuition right. at a state school. Right. Which is like a lot. NC yeah. State, I think UNC. Oh yeah. Community colleges, um, and so think about that. I mean, free medical care and free college. Uh, that's two more reasons that you can check off your list that you might have otherwise said, I can't do this. And people are afraid to even ask those questions. That's what we find is that people think about taking kids in and they're like, well, we can't afford it. We can't afford medical. We can't afford this. We can't afford that. Mm -hmm. But really, you get Medicaid, so their medical is paid for. You get a stipend as a foster parent to help you. Um, but also, and, and it is a certain age. I know what Ken's talking about, but it's I think it's they have to be a teenager or something like that to get the free college. But my son that we adopted, Adopted, he got that too, which was great. UNC Charlotte, he went off, well, he went two years at Gaston and then he went there and graduated from UNC Charlotte. Mm -hmm. But the only thing we had to pay for was parking, wow. <laughs> which was expensive, but yeah. not near as expensive yeah. as tuition. So uh, yeah, that's the great thing to know. And so if you have questions, if you're listening to this and you're like, I might want to do this, but maybe I think I can't afford it or for whatever reason, at least call us or email us and let us answer those questions so that you don't just decide you're not going to do it based on, you know, your own misinformation. Perceptions. Well, in fact, I'm going to put you on a spot. I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I would love to hear you just take that little step further because one of the things I was hearing, especially from those single dads, is there is a lot of support out there, you know, for people who are thinking, which starts actually right here with Susanna Cavanaugh, at least <laughs> of these. I mean, what is this, an 80,000 square foot? facility uh, it's uh, yeah it, it's unbelievable and, and and so but 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 it's I, not I, quite I, that big we're 18,000 oh, 18. I, I knew yeah. there was an eight in there yeah somewhere. not quite 80,000 oh goodness no yeah yeah well you'll get there but anyway <laughs> but no I mean you know when I was listening to these single I mean think about that single dads you know these are people who have to go to work you know as single moms do um you know is there any kind of a support network out there and I'm sure so have, funny that Peter as one of the single dads that you inter introduced, and I will butcher his last name, so I won't even say it, but yeah. Peter actually moved to the area, and we were introduced, and, and he said, how can I get connected? And immediately, I was able to connect him, not just with us, but with other agencies that help children in foster care. Um, so he was able to send, his son came to our camp. We've served him uh, at our Christmas event, Shoes of Hope. Um, so yeah, there is a lot of support. We never want foster parents to feel like they're not supported. And just recently, we even added um, freezer meals so we're mm -hmm. able to there's a local church the point church that partnered with us to be able to even give that kind of support um, also Selena and I are both uh, Selena's our programs director and we are both um, 
I have been a foster parent. She's currently a foster parent. So it's not like we're just talking at you. Mm-hmm. We're kind of in the trenches with you and we know how hard it is. And so um, there's many times that her and I will take phone calls from foster parents just to try and help them, especially if it's your first placement and you don't know about court. There's just this whole world of unknown if you're just stepping into foster care that you don't understand. And Lisa, these is here for that. Um, we've got this great new space um, so that foster parents can come and hang out, have coffee oh, and well. meet together and do things like that. Um, so yeah, we, we, we like supporting yeah. those folks because we know that the more support is a foster parent, then the longer you'll be a foster parent. There you go. And we need you to be a foster parent as yeah. long as you possibly can. And so it just makes sense. Why would we not support um, the foster parents in that way? Right. So, yeah. Well, that's good. I think that's got to be comforting, you know, yeah. for, for people to know, you know, because you're going to get that very first thought, hmm, maybe this is something for me. I'm too scared. You know, I don't know if I can do this on my own. Right. You don't have to do it on your own. No, you don't. Yeah. And part of the, the foster parent classes is to prepare you because people mm-hmm. are like, well, I'm not ready for that. That's the classes are part of, am I ready for that? Does that make sense? Oh, so yeah. go ahead and sign up for them. Even if you think I might not be ready, you'll know by the end of those classes if you're ready. Right. And you may be more ready than you think. And we also offer things like we have our bridge camp. And so uh, I love introducing people to foster care through things like bridge camp, because you're right. There's a whole lot of misconceptions about these children and what they're like. And, you know, they're, they're bad. They're in trouble with the law or whatever the misconception is. And they're all across the board. Um, but people come to be counselors at camp or they come to hang out at camp. They're working security or they're working in hospitality or whatever it is that they're doing at camp. And they get to know these kids Mm -hmm. and these kids aren't as scary Mm-hmm. as they thought they were. Right. And then what we've seen is beautiful things happen from camp. Kids, um, I mean, I'm thinking right now of one of our camp nurses um, is adopting one of the kids that was uh, at camp in one of our years. So things like that happen. Like, it's really a cool thing. Mm-hmm. But um, we probably could, like, go on and on because oh, yeah. you like to talk and I like to talk. Sure. Um, this is probably our longest podcast, and that's okay because <laughs> I think it's okay um, when Eric comes and shares with us. But um, I'm so just excited for you to yep. be here, and I don't think you're not going anywhere. No, no. I mean, I, I always said, I, I, you know, when I got here, you know, I asked the good Lord, I said, please keep me here. Um, I found my home, Charlotte, North Carolina, Gastonia, McAdenville, all these areas. And you're all. always going to be, if Lisa these is around, then, then Eric's going to be around helping us. And thank uh, yeah. you, like, because it is hard to talk people into doing things. I know it. I, I make it sound easy, but it's really not easy to talk no. people into doing things. So when you're, you say yes, that that goes a long way because you yeah. have a platform that I don't have. Sure. So yeah, we absolutely. really thank you for that. Well, I thank WBTV too for giving me that platform. You know, um, so I yeah I've got the megaphone mouth, but they've got the actual megaphone. So yeah, so no, but WBTV has been great, and I just need to, need to say thanks to them too. Without them, none of this happens. Yeah. So so yeah, it's been it's been a great team effort. Yep, it has. Well, so. thanks guys for listening, and stay tuned. Everybody can do something for children in foster care. So what's your thing? Think about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eric Thomas is is uh, helping Lisa these. Maybe that's your thing. Who knows? Yeah. Thanks for thanks for being with us. Th- thanks a lot, Susanna.